Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Don't forget, if you can't join us live each weekday at 11 a.m. here on the Big X, the show is available as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us there. A lot to get to last night. I did not see this publicized anywhere, but Mike Woodson was a guest speaker last night at a charity event in Fort Wayne, and so he gave the media a chance to catch up with him uh, before he spoke, and we'll cover some of the things he had to say last night. Seems kind of like a similar setup to what's going to happen here in a few, well, actually next week, a week from today, uh, at Huber's for the IU Varsity Club, the coaches tour stop at Huber's, where you get an opportunity to hear from Coach Woodson, Coach Allen, and some others surrounding IU athletics. But uh, this was a benefit, I believe, for big brothers, big sisters of the Fort Wayne area. So uh, Coach Woodson doing a good deed and sharing some information. And he had a, a really interesting quote on Trace Jackson Davis. I know we said yesterday on the program that, you know, he's going to get just absolutely drilled uh, when he comes down to Huber's next week by the media. And if they take questions from fans in the crowd about what he thinks about Trace Jackson Davis and if he's going to return next year, He's coming, or he will be next week, coming off of an NBA Combine opportunity. And uh, then he'll have just days after that uh, gathering at Huber's to make a decision. And it sounds like last night that was the case as well. So he had a really, kind of, I thought, funny quote on Trace Jackson Davis. And we'll, we'll tell you what he had to say in just a moment. Also, uh, let's take a look at the lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one will tell you what Coach Woodson had to say last night, as well as some other headlines of the day, some IU basketball stuff. Former IU basketball and a great high school basketball player in our state, Ray Pavey. He passed away. We'll tell you about that, those details as well. And a couple high school notes I saw last night. Floyd Central, the girls won a track and field sectional. They have been so dominant in that now for a number of years. And that kind of marks the start of postseason spring sports, which is exciting as well. So we'll cover that and more in our first segment today. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. You can read his work in the Indy Star as well. Dustin had a great piece after an interview with Tom Allen that he called uh, last season his toughest professional year ever and talked about some of the mistakes that were made last season uh, as IU football really faltered. And then uh, he plans ahead, talks ahead about the upcoming year as well. So we'll rehash that story with Dustin and uh, talk a little IU football today. And there's always plenty of IU basketball stuff to get to as well. We'll talk more about Mike Woodson's comments last night in Fort Wayne with Dustin and so many other things as well. So stay with us for that coming up in segment two today. 
And then always on Wednesday, segment three is devoted to Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. And Josh is going to join us today to talk some high school and local sports headlines. We're also today going to touch on the Netsby Awards, which is the great postseason award ceremony organized by the News and Tribune that uh, really culminates the year of high school athletics here in southern Indiana. So we'll talk with Josh about all of that and more today coming up later in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And the Thornton's text line is open. I ask you this each and every day. Some of you text me every day. Some of you I never hear from. 502 414-1450. Just send me a text. You can say anything you want to say. Topic, question for one of our guests. Shout out to somebody. Are you going to the IU event at Huber's next week? Uh, What's your prediction on Trace Jackson Davis? I love to read it, and most of it will make it on the air. 502-414-1450. Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. And let's get into a lot of news today here in segment number one. Mike Woodson speaking last night in Fort Wayne for the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Northeast Indiana, the gourmet dinner that they had last uh, night in Fort Wayne. And he was asked about Trace Jackson Davis, who is getting ready for the NBA Combine and has been out in California training to get to the Combine. And he got that invite. That opportunity is starting today, starting tomorrow uh, for Trace. But uh, he said, "I'm." this is a direct quote from Coach Woodson. He said, I'm hoping like hell he comes back because he's a big piece to the puzzle. And uh, that's Mike Woodson in a nutshell. It's just funny to listen to him talk. I, I cackle at so many things he says, not that it's goofy or not on course, but just funny how he phrases things or, or cusses a little bit here and there. He said, it's a big difference now because I've had an opportunity to recruit some guys and I, that I think uh, can help our ball club talking about getting out into the recruiting scene. And uh, if he had to replace Chase Jackson Davis, uh, how would he go about that? He said, quote, my motto has always been next man up. We've got race coming back. We've got Logan, who is a young center, who's got to mature and then grow into his body. And then we've got the freshman Malik Renu coming in. So those guys got to grow up quickly. You're getting an opportunity to play off the bat Uh, Of course, he's talking if Trace Jackson Davis doesn't return. He went on to say, quote, if Trace comes back, he's going to occupy a lot of minutes at that position. But, hey, we've got enough talent around Trace. If he doesn't come back, those guys got to step up and play, and I've got to coach them up. So uh, some pretty obvious comments from Coach Woodson last night uh, before this uh, Fort Wayne event, but uh, I think we're going to hear a lot more from him next week when he comes down to southern Indiana about Trace and how he would uh, fill the void if he does leave and does he think he's going to go uh, or not. So uh, just uh, interesting stuff. No, nothing earth-shattering there uh, from Coach Woodson last night. Also another IU basketball note here in the first segment, Ray Pavey, who was a member of the 1961 IU team and also a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame, actually an inductee, Uh, He has died at the age of 80 years old. If you remember, Pavey, back in 61, played 18 games for the Hoosiers, 
uh, in his sophomore season, and then he was paralyzed in an automobile accident in the fall of 1961, which cut his basketball career uh, drastically short. But he continued to find a way to stay involved with basketball over the years. At one point, he was an assistant coach at Newcastle. He went on to be in the administration there for that school system in the Newcastle area. And a great high school player as well, long before he got to IU and played on the freshman team back then when college basketball was structured so much differently. At Newcastle, he scored nearly 1,200 career points and, of course, had a scholarship offer that he accepted from uh, Branch McCracken in 1951 and then made his varsity debut at IU in 1961. He would stay at IU after the accident and was kind of recognized, the story said, as the first uh, uh, student on a permanent basis that used a wheelchair on the IU campus. He would go on to graduate from IU in 1965, so he stayed with it from the academic side as well. The program yesterday put out a release announcing his death uh, at 80 years old for Ray Pavey, a real basketball legend in our state. One local headline to mention, Floyd Central won the girls' track and field sectional last night, uh, and to show their dominance in that sectional now for so many years, uh, it was the 12th consecutive sectional championship uh, for the Floyd Central Track and Field Club. That is amazing. That is total dominance in the sport locally, and the Floyd Track and Field program across the board has been really, really good for a number of years. But big stuff there for uh, no question about that for Floyd Central as they will move on. And other teams and other individuals will move on the way the track and field postseason is structured. But Floyd Central at the very top of things winning the sectional last night. you got some boys track and field sectionals uh, getting ready to start or underway. Of course, baseball and softball, their sectionals are next week. That is going to be fun to follow uh, the local teams there. And our postseason coverage as far as spring sports goes begins a week from today, next Wednesday, May 25th, the same day that Mike Woodson and Tom Allen are at Huber's. We'll be up at Jennings County. We'll have two games that evening, 5.30, the opening game, and then, of course, seven, which features Jeffersonville, then the 7.30 game, New Albany and Floyd Central. That should be a real humdinger in the opening round of sectional play at Jennings County. Back on Saturday, that's a week from this Saturday for the semifinal round. We'll cover uh, any game involving a local team. And then, of course, Memorial Day Monday, we'll have the sectional championship game. And as things stand right now, all of that is slated to air on 1450 and 96.1, uh, streaming on the Big X uh, uh, online stuff as well. Of course, uh, Right now, we're avoiding conflicts with the bats, but if there were to be any changes with weather, you'll need to stay tuned uh, with us because we may make a change as far as the stations go. But for those asking, we will have high school baseball on the radio this postseason as usual, and uh, we hope to air it here on the Big X. All right, one other note I wanted to mention. I saw this uh, just before the show came on. Rick Bozich of WDRB had a little breakdown uh, putting uh, college basketball locally in perspective for next season. Uh, Joe Lenardi, uh, the original bracketologist for ESPN, he's already at it for next season. And if you're curious, he has IU as a five seed for next year in Mike Woodson's second season. So that would obviously be really big stuff for IU basketball. I'm sure that 
Mr. Lenardi's projections include Trace Jackson Davis returning uh, to IU next season, but uh, we will have to see how that plays out. But IU definitely getting some marks, whether it's early, and I call it all way too early, bracketology for next year or some of the way early rankings that are out for next season. Uh, IU is right in the mix and in that conversation to be a top 15 or so team for next season. And if Trace decides to go to the NBA and not return, it'll be curious to see as those things are updated over the course of the summer uh, where IU stands. But IU definitely in the conversation. It's really amazing to think that in season number two of Mike Woodson, uh, if Trace Jackson Davis returns, I think you'll see a number of the uh, college basketball, the national guys pick IU to win the Big Ten Conference. They'll be at the top. Uh, they'll be 1-2. I think some will pick Indiana to win the conference with Trace Jackson Davis coming back. So that uh, that's an exciting offseason for IU basketball. And again, uh, Mike Woodson coming to Huber's next Wednesday. Uh, as of Monday morning, when I talk with Les Wright, 50 tickets remain. I got to believe Monday and Tuesday that all of those 50, if not most of them, are gone. So if you want a last-ditch opportunity to hear from Coach Woodson and Coach Allen at Huber's next Wednesday, a week from tonight, you need to call Les Wright. And uh, I think I gave you that number earlier in the week, but it's also uh, on my Twitter, on social media, if you follow me there. Uh, That's our headlines for this Wednesday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. We'll head to a commercial break. And when we come back, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is with me. He had a great story on Tom Allen and IU football earlier in the week. Tom Allen saying last year was the toughest of his professional career. Uh, Lots of disappointments around IU football last year. We'll talk about that, his plans for next season, IU basketball, and more in the next segment. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back on this Wednesday program. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is my guest. The Thornton's text line number, 502-414-1450. And Dustin, uh, this is a quote from Mike Woodson. I'm hoping like hell he comes (laughs) back. That's Coach Woodson on Trace Jackson Davis last night speaking up to a group in in Fort Wayne, a charity uh, dinner last night. I think uh, Mike Woodson sounds a lot like a lot of IU fans I know right now that – are really hoping Trace Jackson Davis Davis does return to Bloomington for another season. Yeah, and I, and, I mean, I think they've got reason to hope that. I mean, I obviously said last week that they've got to maybe not pipe down, but just at least sort of let him go through the process. Um, and he's at the combine now. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to see what if, what if anything he's done so far or what he looks like. I don't know if it's going to be televised. Um, but, 
you know, again, I mean, he's he's you gotta let the kid get a cra- take a crack at it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you're if you're Mike Woodson, absolutely, you'd like you'd like him back for another year. That certainly strengthens your team. I mean, it's the difference between them being maybe a top three, top four, uh, Big Ten favorite, and being something more middle of the pack. Um, you know, basically, when you have a guy that you know you can depend on for you know close to 18 and 10, you know that that goes a long way. Um, but you know, again, I mean, I think uh, you know, again, if I was Trace Jackson Davis, I would bleed this out as far as I could, not for the purpose of messing with anybody. Um, um, but just to say, hey, I want to find out if I'm good enough. I want NBA teams to tell me straight in the face that I'm not ready um, and, and what I need to do about it. Um, basically, I want to make as many people do that as possible, and that's the point of getting uh, as much feedback as you can. I mean, you know, again, like you know, maybe he can change some minds. Maybe he can hit some three-pointers. Maybe they'll see that he's closer uh, to being an NBA-ready power forward than they think he is, um, or maybe he isn't, and, then, and he finds that out as well, and that, that informs him um, in a way that makes a difference uh, for him for 2022. I mean, eventually, I mean, that, that is the goal for him to get to an NBA team. And I think you have to, uh, you know, be supportive of that if you're an IU fan or if you're an IU coach. Um, so, uh, you know, again, we'll, we'll see, but I think, um, you know, I mean, this is Trace Jackson Davis's time. This is his opportunity to, to prove what he's all about. I mean, it's the first time he's really got to, to test these waters and, and really uh, be a part of this process because COVID's messed it up the last couple of years. Um, so, you know, like, let him do it. Uh, but, but again, obviously it's better for Mike Woodson, and they've certainly kept his scholarship available. Obviously, Dexter Dennis uh, was the other, only guy they were really targeting down the stretch, uh, and he goes to Texas A&M, basically, so that, that scholarship is open, presumably one way or another. I mean, I guess they'd try to see what's be- is still in the market and try to fill it if he decides to go elsewhere, but uh, it's obviously something they're not going to chance until they know what he's doing. Talking with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times, we're going to get into IU football here in just a few moments, but staying with basketball for now, you know, thinking ahead to next season, and it's hard to really do that with any solidarity to think what this IU team could be with the, the unknown around Trace, but Mike Woodson, he told us as soon as he got the job that he did not want to overwhelm the non-conference schedule before the team got to Big Ten games he didn't want to take on all the, the big challengers in college basketball until he thought there was some footing there and that IU was ready for that. And I'm still not sure that they're exactly there yet, but Zach Osterman, your partner who writes for the Indy Star, and he joins us Mondays, he had a piece on Woodson's follow-through on the schedule recently. We're now in year two. He's already got Kansas. That's going to be a series. Uh, and then, of course, a game out in Vegas, it looks like, is going to happen with Arizona. So, uh, not a star-studded schedule, we don't think, next year across the non-conference part of the season. But Kansas and Arizona, a big step up, just those two. If there's no other blockbuster matchup included, that alone, those two alone make, a, I think, a big improvement. No, absolutely. It, it goes a long way. I, I mean, Kansas was such a statement, I thought. Um, and that was before they won the national championship. I mean, I think it's looking at you know a team they haven't played in a long time. Um, that is one of those unquestionable blue blood programs. You know, I, I think you'd have to say that there's probably, you know, four that are just totally un. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That you can't argue, regardless of what you're, uh, you know, of, of what you're basing it on. You know, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, and Kentucky are the four that you would say, okay, you you, you can't if you've got them on your schedule, you you can't say that you're ducking somebody. Uh, you know, the, when you go up and play something like that, that's a big deal. But and obviously Arizona is is coming back. Obviously they're, they're going to take some big losses. Uh, you know, from from that team, obviously they won the Pac-12 and was a one seed this year with Benedict Maturin and uh, presumably Christian Colocos, uh, you know, moving on. 
on. But uh, your Tommy Lloyd obviously seems to have that thing rolling. So I mean that you you have to expect a pretty talented team there. So those are pretty you know two pretty good ones that you're going really out of section to go get. You're going out to be out and playing a Big 12 team um, and uh, a Pac a, a Pac-12 team. And then you you you've got I think they're still set to play in the Gavit again this year. Um, and you're going to be, be in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So you you've got. Uh, presum- presumably, premier games against the ACC, big, against the ACC, uh, the Pac-12, um, the Big 12, and the Big East. Uh, so you know you're you're really obviously proving that you're looking for stuff. And you know I mean, he might look for something else. I mean he might go try to find something else that that fits. But uh, you put those four games on there, and, and it's a pretty good start. I mean I think you probably try to be at least a little bit more uh, chancy when it comes to taking on, uh, you know, even lower level non-conference opponents, get some mid-majors that will challenge you um, as opposed to uh, teams that you know you're going to run over all day. Um, you know, teams that will challenge you with different styles, uh, you know, that sort of thing, play some teams that are going to press you, play some teams that are going to zone you, you know, look for some uh, teams that can kind of inoculate you, I guess, for, for what you're going to see later in the in the Big Ten season. Um, but it's, it, it's a big start. Again, it proves that, you know, he he meant what he said. He, he felt like he needed a year to get his feet under him. Um, and whether this team is better than last year's team, you know, who knows in terms of how that's going to shake out. But, you know, at least he felt good enough about this year's team to say, okay, yeah, they probably could have taken on a bigger challenge than they did. I, I wasn't ready to know, and, and now I feel better about that. So he's at least, I think, being consistent, if nothing else, to what his sort of, uh, you know, the philosophy that he uh, you know articulated basically when he took the job. All right, Dustin Dopirak, my guest. Dustin, uh, you had a story I've heard, uh, I've heard multiple people said you got to bring this up with Dustin when he joins you, but you had an IU football story where you really got uh, some great stuff from Coach Allen. It was basically kind of like a exit interview, I thought, from last season where he talked about uh, the uh, failures uh, in 2021 and what he's going to do to fix some of those problems in 2022. And I think in that same interview, he and he's done a f- number of interviews here recently, but I think in that same interview he called it the toughest professional uh, season year of his life. Uh, and I'm paraphrasing here a bit, but um, mm. that's a story on the Indy Star, the Bloomington Herald Times website for subscribers. I know a lot of people locally read it in the Louisville Courier Journal and made mention to me about it. But can you give us a, a little preview for somebody who's not yet clicked that story? Because I thought you got some really heartfelt, open stuff from Coach Allen about the state of IU football right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, he's doing these, so I couldn't call it an exclusive. I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously a bunch of us on the beat, have, you know, uh, um, requested one-on-ones. And they did some last year, so he's kind of going through the rounds again, again this year. And, you know, I, I, Alan's just really the sort of honest and open guy. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a constant level uh, of access, but, you know, he's willing to do these kind of sit-downs where you can kind of cover all the bases. And he doesn't really hide much. I mean, and, and when he's hiding something, he, he tells you why. Um, basically, I mean, he wasn't willing. You know, I, I I asked him about you know what he didn't like about defense, and he you know he made a point of saying you know like I'm not going to give away scheme or anything like that, and you know he he said some things about players not holding themselves accountable enough, and he's like I'm not going to say you know specific guys. Um, you know, he's just obviously trying to be uh, careful, but was was otherwise just sort of pretty open about his his overall thoughts. You know, sat down with with Zach and I for about an hour, and and we just kind of went over everything. Obviously, we spent a lot of time just sort of breaking down the more the specifics. Uh, during the spring, you're talking about specific positions and you know who's playing next where. But I wanted to take a more big picture outlook and get a sense of how he approaches something like this. Because obviously, you're talking about a guy who's big on 
you know, core values, who's, who, who has these sort of philosophies that really drive him. Um, and they've generally pushed him in the right direction. I mean, they, he hasn't always gotten to where he's wanted to go every season um, with it, but he's generally come out of it feeling like, okay, we, we have the basics right. We, you know, how do we take it a step further? How do we finish? How do we, how do we go beyond what we've done? But, you know, our foundation is right. And when the bottom falls out, it's like, where do you start asking questions? And that's one question I asked him. Um, and I got a decent answer about it. It wasn't necessarily as meta as I wanted it to be, but, uh, you know, about basically asking like, when you have a set of, of core values that really drive you, where do you, you know, how far away from the core do you start stress testing? How, how, how far away do you start asking if you're really doing the right things? Um, but one thing he did say there was that, hey, you know, the, the, the core of LEO, what it really means is a cuff, uh, accountability, toughness, and love. And, and when I really look back at it, we didn't match the level of accountability that you need. Um, and he said, I felt like guys started to, you know, uh, look at it more for them. And, and what I think he means basically is there were guys who believed in themselves as NFL prospects. And once the season got out of hand, um, started to consider that, you know, started to have that in mind, started to think about keeping themselves healthy rather than go out, go all out. Um, when they had the opportunity and obviously, you know, obviously he didn't mention anybody, so I'm not going to, to throw, uh, darts at the wall anyway, but I imagine there's a few names that IU fans can, could put up on that list to say, okay, I noticed that, um, you know, last season, I think that was, you know, kind of, you know, as he looked further in there, that was sort of his message that he saw guys that thought they could get to the next level that, that, that started thinking about the next level and not about the next play that they needed to make. Um, so I, you know, that I thought that, that I thought was notable and just the way that he's obviously kind of restructured some things around accountability and, and it's stuff that looks hokey right now. And maybe it makes a difference and maybe it doesn't, but he talked about creating these accountability teams. We started to see these, you know, pictures of this show up on social media where you'd see these groups of guys out to dinner together, together at Buffalo Louise or something like that. And there would be 10 or 12 guys and they're all cross class. And they're all across position, and and that was something he, he that that was um, intentional. He wanted to to make it so that um, guys felt comfortable around each other, and therefore felt comfortable holding each other accountable across positions. And it wasn't just he said, you know, I, I feel like ultimately, you know, position groups end up operating like a clique because you spend so much time together. You know, you have the same position coach, you're doing the same drills, where everybody else is doing something different. You know, you, you guys are having the same experience and, and and a different one than everywhere else. So you end up sort of binding together. Um, and so, you know, that that makes for a hierarchy um, and no one else can call out your guys and no one wants to call out the leaders out of that group because if you're a freshman, you're not calling out a senior at your position group. Um, so he's like, I wanted to be cross-positional. I wanted it to um, guys to be able to, you know, an offensive lineman to be able to call out, you know, a linebacker if he felt like it had to happen. I want a, a wide receiver to call out a defensive back if he feels like he's beating him too easy, you know, that sort of thing. So there was a lot of that. But also he talked about, you know, the, the toughness emotionally of having to fire somebody who said Nick Sheridan was, he really considers Nick Sheridan a good friend. He, he had a lot of conversations telling him about the way things were going. So Nick wasn't shocked when the decision was made. He says, but you know, I'm friends with him and friends with his wife. You know, I want to be able to see him again and, and, you know, felt like I, I did the right thing and felt like I treated him well. I just performance wise, you had to make a change. Uh, you know, you couldn't keep going the thing, way that things were going. Uh, and he said, I, I, he said, there's there, a good line that I thought was interesting from him is when he said, you know, um, I like to, you know, I've had a lot of coaches tell me that you've got to create a buffer between you and your assistants so that you can make these decisions more easily, that, that it's not as emotional decision. You're able to make it more sort of coldly and calculating. And he says, I just don't want to live that way. I can't be that guy, um, that I'm not close with my assistants. Um, so that makes these things tough and difficult when you got to let somebody go. But I'm just not capable of being the sort of guy that's, that keeps that much of a distance just so I can do that. 
um, which I thought was kind of interesting. But a lot, a lot of interesting things talked about injuries. He just said he's sort of shortened practices, not because didn't feel like they were doing anything wrong necessarily, but he, he got some bad luck and he felt like, all right, you need to, uh, you know, lessen opportunity for bad luck to strike, uh, you know, and, and, and be more cognizant about making sure the guys aren't kicking each other out because um, that happened too many times in practice last season. So, uh, you know, we just tried to go across the board with a lot of things, and I thought he had some re- very, uh, again, very open, very uh, very honest, and, you know, answer- answered with a lot of candor. Great uh, sit-down interview. Dustin Dopirak, his story with Tom Allen, it's available, uh, the Louisville Courier-Journal, the Indy- Indianapolis Star, wherever you're a subscriber at. Uh, this is really a pivotal year for Coach Allen. I mean, he was a red-hot coach that I think IU fans were – afraid after the great year, the great COVID season, really, the way it worked out for IU football, that maybe he would move on to somewhere bigger or somewhere where he thought he could have more success on a national stage. And now, after a really disappointing year a season ago, I think he's looking to get things back on track for the program and really for himself personally. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, let's let's be just straight about this. The when you have a, a, a season like last year is, is a, the season as a season that eventually gets you fired. Um, when it, it's really the years when you are expected to do something and fall short of it, you know those are those are black marks that are tough to, to you know just tough to wash off um, because it's like okay, like you had all this talent, you had all this ability, and you know look at what you did with it, and when you miss the mark by that much, when you're talking when you, when you are credibly talking about the idea of winning the Big Ten. I mean, obviously, you wouldn't have called them the favorites. I mean, you, you would have, it would have been a hard time imagining that they were going to beat um, Ohio State in the East. I mean, you, you didn't know how good Michigan was going to be. Uh, obviously, those guys made a really big leap, and that's part of what made it tougher for them is that, you know, teams that they were able to beat and get in 2020, you know, really came back with a vengeance in 2021, you know, particularly Michigan and Penn State. Um, but all, all the same, um, you know, when, when, you're, when you have that high of expectations, you're in the top 25 for the first time since the late 60s the start of season it's just like all right you're, you're supposed to do something with that and, and obviously you have a lot of seniors you have a lot of six-year guys and fifth-year guys you know you're supposed to take advantage of that opportunity and you fail uh you know that that is is a mark on your record that, that's tough to wash off but you, ha- you obviously you have an opportunity to come back um and you know turn it around and whatnot and so obviously he's thinking of okay how am i going to do this um but it is a situation where it, it's not going to take uh, too many more bad years for them to feel like they have to, to go another direction. I mean, really, coaching is about momentum, um, you know, when it comes to being able to keep a job. You know, uh, the, the just general intellect and ability, a coaching ability of your coach matters a lot, uh, obviously, but breaks matter and momentum matters um, because there's a lot that, that leads to the external factors. I mean, like, you know, I, I asked him about that. He said, like I said, look, you can change a lot internally, um, but externally it's tough. I mean, you you can't. They can't see what you're doing in practice every day, and that that makes a difference in recruiting. You can bring them in. I mean, you know, first off, you got to still get them on campus before you even show what improvements you've made. Um, and you and like when you're explaining why something else went wrong, somebody else is recruiting them, is telling them about everything that went right. Um, so that puts you at a disadvantage. It's tough when you're carrying around two and ten on the recruiting trail. Um, I, it speaks, I think, really well for him that he was able to keep the 2022 class together. Um, but a lot of those guys had already committed, um, and so it's tough to go back on a commitment. It's very tough to go back on a commitment on on a guy who is as forthright as Tom Allen is. It's tough to tell that guy I'm leaving I'm, and and I'm not keeping my promise to you. That's not an easy thing to do. If you if if Tom Allen is a guy that appeals to you as a person, and to, I, I, like then it's hard for you to be a person that comes, goes back on a promise. But it's different when you haven't promised anything. And so that's, I think, going to be tough for him as he puts together the 2023 class and beyond to carry this around with the 2 and 10 and get people to promise him that he's coming in in the first place. 
so, you know, and, and that makes it tough. That, that gets you in a downward spiral. And once you can't get players and you can't get talent, it can go south on you really fast. So, I mean, he really has to be able to uh, show signs of being, you know, just to, to turn the plane of the nose back up uh, and have it going back on a positive directory. That's going to be a trajectory. That's not going to be an easy thing to do. Um, but he, and he has to do it. And he has to do it fast. Cause I mean, it, it, it would only take maybe, I, I could see two, maybe three years of things going south before Indiana has to look in another direction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A little IU football today here with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. You know, Thursday, tomorrow, we'll be 100 days away from the kickoff of the college football season with a lot of week zero games as it's billed these days. So uh, I don't know that you learn much from Coach Allen as far as what he thinks about the upcoming season and the team, but where, where do you have IU at this season? What should fans expect? Should this be a better season, a better record than what it was a year ago? Or are there still a lot of unknowns that make it hard to really know what this team could or could not accomplish this year? Yeah, it's almost completely unknown. I mean, obviously, I mean, we and, and uh, obviously there was some intent on that on on the part of Indiana football. As much as uh, you know, obviously we, we got this kind of transparency as far as talking to people was concerned. We didn't see anything. I mean, like the only thing that we saw as media, and so the public is in the same boat. You know, there was no spring spring game. Not one single spring practice was open to the media, so we saw nothing. Um, you know, we, we know what they're talking about, and, and, and obviously we can compare, you know, things that some of these guys have said about previous players and things that Tom Allen has said about previous players, uh, you know, to what they could be and what, what this talent collection could look like. Um, but we're really talking about a lot of scenarios about guys that we really haven't seen. And, and, and some of it, it's, it's guys that are transfers are coming in, and they came in from some big-name programs, and some of them didn't play very much. You know, you got to remember that. I mean, some of these guys, uh, you know, weren't starters. I mean, they, they came to Indiana because they weren't starting, because they weren't having a whole bunch of playing time. Uh, but there are some guys that they rave about um, that they're really, really excited about that they feel can come in and make a difference. You know, but it's hard to say, OK, is that really going to happen? Um, or, you know, are, are, are these guys going to be what the Indiana coaches seem to think they can be after seeing them play against each other uh, for spring? So it's really hard to pencil anything in. I mean, if you're an Indiana fan, um, it's best, I think, for, for after last season to go in with low expectations and be surprised if they, they uh, go beyond them. I mean, I, I mean, if, if I'm an Indiana fan, I go in thinking three and nine. Uh, they, you know, give me one win better, and you know, uh, I'm all right, uh, basically, and it just not set your hopes very high um, and hope that you're surprised. Um, but you know, I mean, there's a chance they could be a lot better. I mean, they've obviously talked about it. There are. Um, I think Tom Allen feels like a lot was flushed out uh, this year, that there were, you know, ultimately some guys that maybe stayed too long, uh, maybe should have moved on before, and basically that, that there was too much sort of feeling like 2020 was a foundation they were going to be able to just step up from and not realize that you have to rebuild everything you did in 2020 uh, and then go beyond that. So, I mean, I think he's happy to have uh, a new influx of people and talent and everything, and there are guys they really like. I mean, they, they love – you know, Miles Jackson, the, the guy who's going to play bull that they, they uh, got as a transfer from UCLA. They love that kid. They really like the linebackers, Bradley Jenkins, uh, Jennings and uh, Jared Casey, the guy they got from Kentucky. They're really happy about that to pair with, with Cam Jones. Uh, they like a bunch of other guys in defensive backfield. They like a bunch of guys their freshman class. Really like James Mons a lot, the cornerback they got from Florida. Um, they like their wide receivers. They like Cam Camper, the, the uh, JUCO transfer they got from Texas. Emory Simmons, the transfer they got from North Carolina. I think Sean Shivers from Auburn might be able to be in every down back. That's something he really wants to prove. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. I mean, there's just there's only so much that's been proven um, as far as you know. Uh, 
what what this group can 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 handle in a, in a bigger circumstance. And I think you'll have a pretty good battle with quarterback. It sounds like it's down to Connor Basilak and Jack Tuttle there. Um, but you know that that could be an interesting uh, an interesting fight there um, in terms of where that goes. But it's just you're waiting to see a lot. You're waiting to see if the offensive line gets better. There's not really new bodies on that on, on that side of the ball. I think they got maybe one transfer from I think it was West Texas A&M, so a Division two kid. They didn't add too much there. Um, so you know again you 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 don't want to have very high expectations and you know you obviously have to look at it. The Big Ten East is not what it was two years ago. Everybody reloaded and reloaded fast. Uh, you know Michigan State. You know that 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 was at the bottom of the barrel a couple of years back, you know, goes from there to a beast to a, a power, uh, I'm sorry, um, New Year's six bowl game. So they're the real thing. Um, so you're looking at Michigan state you've got to presume Michigan state, Penn state, Michigan, and Ohio state are the real deal. Uh, and you've got to take advantage of your wins someplace else. And you've got to get a team like Illinois and Purdue, um, you know, but the schedule gets, goes right back to being really, really hard. It's, you know, the big 10 East goes back to being one of the best divisions uh, in college football. And you have to, you know, obviously change your expectations to comport with that. Dustin Dopirak, Bloomington Herald Times. He joins us Wednesdays. Good to work in some IU football. It seems like we uh, find a way to dominate the show each day with basketball. But your great uh, reporting there, a great interview with Coach Allen, uh, an opportunity to talk some IU on the gridiron today and appreciate the update. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Dustin Dopirak with us Wednesdays here on the show. We'll head to a commercial break. We're back with Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. Coming up, and there's lots to talk about with local sports. We're getting into spring sports postseasons. Former Jeffersonville coach Joe Luce is back in the coaching game up in northern Indiana, and we've got some big openings here in southern Indiana that could be filled soon. We'll discuss all of that. The Netsby Awards that Josh is involved with, which are first class, Coming up here in just a bit, this is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Wednesday program. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. My guest, this segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, uh, lots to get to. We'll start with spring sports, Floyd Central girls track and field. They won their 12th consecutive sectional title last night. They've had a lot of dominance over that sectional now for a number of years, but that really just kind of kicks off the start of the spring postseason tournaments coming up. Yeah, postseason uh, got underway yesterday, last night, and uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's the beginning of the end, I guess you would say, for, for uh, spring sports, that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, it was a, a – Floyd Central only won five events, and New Albany won the other 11, which is pretty incredible. But Floyd Central won uh, the overall team title thanks to its depth. Um, you know, just just an incredible incredible uh, race between those two schools. Uh, you know, it should be competitive at the at the regional.
regional next week as well between those two schools. I would imagine um, they're they're both uh, really 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 strong this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and then Charlestown won its second straight sectional title last night too. Charlestown's got a really good team, a uh, bunch of sophomores. Uh, Lyric Steele kind of leads the way. She's a sprinter and she uh, she won the hundred and two hundred and was on one of the victorious relay teams. So. Really, really strong for for uh, Charlestown as well, and I expect them to be uh, in contention at the regional next week as well. Josh, a really big high school baseball game, meaningless as far as conference or postseason goes, but New Albany and Silver Creek last night had the feel of a postseason game with New Albany uh, eking out a 2 nothing win over the Dragons. The Bulldogs have been playing really good baseball. Silver Creek definitely a contender in their respective 3A sectional as well, so that was a good late challenge with sectionals just around the corner for baseball. Yeah, two teams playing really, really well uh, late in the season, though, which is when, you know, which is what you want to see if you're the coach uh, of those two teams. Silver Creek won 16 in a row going in, so uh, you know that was uh, they're they're definitely on a roll. New Albany coming off that HHC title is is on a roll as well. But yeah, just a, a great matchup. I was over there for a little bit. Tucker uh, Tucker Biven against Dominic Decker. Uh, it was a really Really big uh, pitching duel there, and uh, New Albany got the New Albany got the best of in the game, but it was it was really competitive. I, yeah, I expect both teams to be, uh, you know, I, uh, factors in the postseason. Uh, Silver Creek, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a run at the sectional and regional. You know, maybe even semi-state titles, uh, and then New Albany as well. You know, it, it, as as we saw last year, anything anything can happen really in the postseason. So uh, I won't be surprised to see. It wouldn't be a shock to see either team in the state title uh, championship game, as far as that goes. But but uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of baseball to be played between now and then. But both are really strong, and uh, you know, they're, they're playing well. And that was also the last game uh, they're going to have at uh, at Silver Creek's field, the Gary Smith Field. There, uh, they're supposed to. Uh, I'm not sure when the when the construction and all that's going to begin, I was talking to John Dapo about it last night, but uh, where the baseball field sits now is where the future football field is going to be, and then where the football field sits now is where the future baseball and softball fields are going to be. So uh, going, to be, going to be some construction over there going on uh, pretty soon. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. Let's talk a little coaching news in basketball. Former Jeff coach Joe Luce getting back in the game, way up at Tippecanoe Valley. Uh, I guess he'll be a rival of Warsaw and schools in that area, but uh, a guy that's a basketball lifer, he's back in at a new location, Josh. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too. That was it's very interesting, you know, good good for Joe. Obviously, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's been around and he's had some, he's had a lot of success, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what he could do up there. You know, that's, that's, that's definitely the... Uh, uh, Warsaw's area, I would, I would guess, but uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, how uh, how it goes up there. I'm, I expect him. I'm sure he'll win, but you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what else he does. All right, uh, Josh, got to talk about some of the local openings. Uh, it sounds like New Washington and Jeffersonville could have coaches soon, maybe even later this month, that have been announced and approved. And of course, Floyd Central still. Uh, maybe toward the tail end of their coaching search, if the rumor mill is true. We can't speculate on radio too much, but it does seem likely that sometime later this month those open posts could be filled. 
Yeah, I think uh, there's school board meetings for next week, maybe. So uh, at least uh, New Wash and maybe Jeff could happen next week. Uh, and yeah, I'm not sure about Floyd Central either yet at this point, but I got to check on their school board meetings when the when they'll be. But yeah, that's that's what we expect uh, for at least one, maybe two for next week. So um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know. Um, the reaction and um, you know what what these what these coaches uh, can can do at those respective schools. It's going to be it's you know it's it's odd because you know three openings, which is pretty. It's you know one fourth of all the teams or all the schools in Clark and Floyd County. So you know that, that's a lot, and uh, you know it's, it's it's been a busy time for for athletic directors too to, to make these hires. Definitely, Josh. We've said for a couple of weeks we were going to give an early preview of the Netspe Awards which I've always said is the postseason first-class awards program that the News and Tribune puts on to wrap up high school sports in Clark and Floyd County for the school year for the entire, uh, all the seasons put together. And so I wanted to give you a few moments to take us through what the night looks like, the date, where it's going to be at. And I know as we get closer, we can break down some of the different categories. But it's an ESPY, an ESPN award show themed night uh, the way that things are done the production is set up big time it's just a really cool environment and uh, you've got a lot of people a lot of athletes and, uh, and even others around high school sports that'll be honored recognized on that that evening yeah we're really really excited to to be able to have this thing in person again after after a couple of years of having it uh of having it virtually so it's it's going to be we're uh really you know, ready for it and hoping for a great night. It's June 21st at uh, East Side Christian Church in Jeffersonville, where where it's been in the past. But uh, yes, yeah, set, set your uh, market calendars for June 21st that evening. We've got, uh, you know, obviously we'll have all the all the awards and um, and all the and all the sports, and then uh, we're gonna have we're gonna do a special little uh, roundtable this year with uh, with several uh, former athletes in the area. Laura Overton is going to come down from Indy, and then we've got uh, Gabby Jenkins and Jacob Julius and and Justin Betts, and the, we're going to do uh, a little. Uh, I think they call it a town hall, but we'll just call it a, a round table and just uh, talk. They'll just be talking sports there um, during the um, kind of during the middle of the show, which is which will be pretty exciting and cool for for all the for the younger kids can can see what uh, you know. These, these former area athletes are, are up to and, uh, you know, how they can uh, maybe fall in their footsteps and, and pass. So it's, it's going to be exciting. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be here before we know it. <laughs> I can't believe it's a, it's almost a, it's almost a month away. Uh, or But, uh, you know, that's just we're winding down in high school sports. So um, it's it's going to be exciting. We're, uh, we're ready and hoping, uh, hoping everybody can uh, come out and, and – uh, and make the show, but it'll be June 21st, like I said. So, everybody, come on out, please. Absolutely. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. A lot of these things we talk about you can read in the print edition each day of the News and Tribune or online at newsandtribunesports.com. Josh, always fun. Thanks for the run today. When we talk next week, we'll have 
an opportunity to preview the baseball sectionals Wednesday night next week, a big week to kick off sectional baseball play. Softball sectionals will be underway at that point as well. So you mentioned we're near the end, but uh, we got an opportunity, I think, to go out with a bang, and we'll see if we have some local teams here that can make a run to a state championship level finish in uh, their respective sport. And I'd kind of be surprised if we didn't have at least somebody from the area uh, that had an opportunity to compete at the highest level in the state. So we'll continue to do this. And uh, thank you, Josh. Sounds great. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Absolutely. That's going to wrap things up for this Wednesday edition of the program. Don't forget, you can always locate us as a podcast if you can't be with us live in the 11 a.m. hour. Uh, we're available nearly anywhere you listen to podcasts. All you got to do is search for The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You'll find us there. You can subscribe. You can listen for free. You can listen on demand. Uh, you can go back and hear an interview that you missed. All the shows are on there from years ago even. Uh, but glad to have you with us no matter how you tune in to the program each day. Have a great Wednesday. We'll be back with you Thursday. Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is going to join us. And, of course, as we work later into the week, next week, a big week for high school sports. We've got sectional baseball broadcast here on the Big X. Have a great Wednesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Pat Dennison.